Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Hey everybody, welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen and I am your host. Glad you're with us today. We've we've got a good episode. This would this would be a great episode to listen with a friend or a bunch of friends. Uh, today we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about how do you discern God's will as a group. Um, fun topic of conversation. Um, maybe a new maybe a new topic for or a new concept. Uh, you know, a lot of us you can't be Catholic very very long and not hear the word discernment come up often talked about as an individual exercise, but we want to talk about what does it mean to do that as a group. And today, an old friend joining us uh, all the way from St. Louis, thank you, the internet, Father Paul Hazing. Father, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Jim. Great to be with you. So thank wonderful you. to see your face, even though the listeners can't. So this is a great opportunity. Yeah, this is really good. So, Father, we always like to give everybody who's uh, all the guests on the podcast an opportunity just to share a little bit about their their story. Uh, I happen to yeah to you know know a little bit. I mean, our ancestors are buried uh, in the same little cemetery up in Cedar County. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. No. Uh, yeah, that Cedar County uh, Parish is Menominee. So get out your Muppets. Uh, da, 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 da. There, there it is. I know about it. Menominee. And uh, growing up there, we were a mile away from the church. And so uh, being a, a mile away meant uh, if there were weddings or funerals at the church, uh, I often would be one of those servers who would be on call. Mm-hmm. And uh, that uh, parish is um, home to my, my dad's side of the family. And uh, my mom is from Crofton. So Calvin's home area. There we go. Shout so out to yeah. Calvin Mueller, Crofton. He's, he's the Crofton native. So my mom was a Kramer from there. They're both one of eight and big families. And so lots of cousins, 43 first cousins all together. And, and so growing up in a rural area, growing up on the farm, uh, it was, um, it was my dad who was teaching at the same time that he was farming and my grandfather was down the road. And so really three generations on the farm farming together was just a great gift as a, as a, mm. an oldest boy of three, there's three of us boys Matthew and Jonathan and Norfolk and Pierce, respectively. And, and so my first real encounter with the priesthood was through the sacraments, through serving mass and, and, uh, and, and then encountering Jesus as I went into high school and started to really understand what my faith meant to me uh, in a new way with the, the obviously going to a Catholic high school, Hardington Cedar Catholic, four priests, five priests taught us in that high school. Wow. Uh, different priests. So you got a sampling of very different personalities, very different styles of fatherhood, uh, everything from Father Sanderson to uh, a few others that uh, just, just very different all, all across the, the board. Yeah. Father Cordy was one of them. Yeah. Uh, so you all dress alike, but that was really about all, that, you, all Father, you Malloy, Father Mike Malloy. There's just nothing, in, there's no similarities except for the fact we called them father. So yeah. And my dad was in the building across the way teaching high school as well. And he taught VOAG, they called it, or Ag Ed. And so he was called Ag Hazing and I was Ag Kid. Uh, the, the students in high school liked my dad because the guys who hated algebra and chemistry were, you know, really good at small engine repair. And so my dad was the guy they'd go to to get away from the algebra and chemistry 
And now those guys are millionaires and doing really well in whatever kind of industry they went into. So <laughs> that was, uh, that's where I saw the two fatherhoods though, right? My dad and then these yeah. priests. And so it was in high school, it started to stir in me, like what, what kind of fatherhood might I be called to? That is a question I was really afraid of. Hmm. Let's not, let's not think about that too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I taught, I, my folks asked me, what do you want for your graduation? I said, I'd like a breviary, but doesn't mean I'm really, I'm not thinking about priesthood. Just give me a breviary. So I had a breviary going into college. <laughs> That's wow. Okay. <laughs> and so I thought I learned to pray it from one of the priests at the college. I went to Briarcliff for a few years, but after two years of college, pre-med major, I really said, I can't decide this on my own. The seminary is the next step. And I decided to take that next step. So at 20, I went to St. John Vianney Seminary and the rest uh, really was the church accompanying me for the first time as this decision became not so much my decision, but a decision with me and through the church. And so receiving my vocation with and through the church uh, in the seminary was, um, was the next adventure. So ordained in 2002. And ever since then, it's been, uh, yeah, just a lot of learning. And I'm so grateful to share a little bit of what I've learned, but I've learned by being with the people. And right now I'm with seminarians in St. Louis. Okay. I, I'm a stay-at-home dad. I, that's a brief way to say it. Every, every other priest is out there in the field. They're doing work in the vineyard. They've got parishes. And all the guys just, I was ordained with, there were seven of them. You're just raising baby priests. I, I, right. And so I, yeah. one way I described it, some, someone, she's a student teacher. She was a teacher. And I said, it's like living with your student teachers. And so it dawned on the person who was listening, like, oh, 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 <laughs> there's varying kind of experiences of student teachers. Uh, and yeah, and then to live with your student teachers, that's really what I do. Mm -hmm. And so eating with the men, sharing the halls with the men, I've, I've been taking a class with the men and I found it to be just another great point of contact to sit in on a class once in a while. Uh, in fact, I'm sitting in on Deacon Keating's class, The Spiritual Theology of Pope Benedict, which Great. is fabulous. Wow. So I don't have to read every week. I can just listen to Deacon Keating at least once a week. And so that's been another place of contact. So, yeah, it's it's a I live with my work, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. The men are right outside the door and I'm available to them for whatever they need. And there's 125 men in this building. And uh, about 92 of them I'm responsible for. The others are collegians. And so... Um, yeah, it's just been a real gift for my own formation as a priest to accompany men. And uh, it doesn't, it, you know, the best way to be ready for this kind of work as a priest is, um, it could be summarized this way. A priest asked, are, are you going, are you, are you working on your stuff? I said, well, yeah, I'm working on my stuff. Good. Mm -hmm. Then you'll be able to work with other guys in their stuff. All right. <laughs> so it's not, if you're working on your stuff, you can work with other people. And um, yeah, we're all human here and we're learning how that humanity is the place where God shines in. There's nothing exempt from his grace or his life. And so hmm. the Annunciation we just celebrated yesterday and it was uh, it was fitting for the guys before they go back to their home diocese and go back to celebrate their Holy Weeks. So the fitting reminder, God with us in everything. Mm -hmm. So that's been a repetition here for me today that while tired at this point of the year, God's with us. So now I couldn't help but notice just just a few. 
mm-hmm. themes of discernment, you know, popping up in, in your, your, your story there for those listeners who don't get Cedar County, they've ne- maybe never been to Cedar County, Nebraska, like just help them understand. We will come back to the discernment thing, but just help some people understand, like paint a picture of Cedar County, Nebraska. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's the seminarians who teach totus tuus would call it the Shire. So it's got this sort of uh, Re- reference to the Lord of the Rings for those who right. can't, can't read. Exactly. So in that reference to the Lord of the Rings, everyone knows everybody and everybody knows everybody and everybody's stuff. And there's a lot of interrelationality, uh, you know, just uh, so big families and that family gets married and some members of that family. Yeah, get married and it's because your mother was a toque. That's right. What's- Right. So it's, it's a lot of big family dynamics. That's part of the pathos, if you will. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's also part of the beauty. I mean, Pope uh, Pius VI said that, you know, family is beautiful for the problems it poses and for the, the, the love it brings about. So yeah. it's a both and. And you got these parishes uh, that are very close, uh, Bull Valley and St. Helena and Menominee, those, and Constance and Fordyce and St. James and Wynot and Crofton across the way, across the highway, but that's a different County, but oh, yeah. are married into that area. So tied in then Hardington's the place we would never really go unless you had to do something important because at one point the priest was harassed there because there are non-Catholics in that part of the County. <gasps> yes. <laughs> so North of Scandalous. safe. Uh, once you get to Hardington, though, it's kind of dangerous. You got to be careful. Get your license renewed, pay your taxes. That's where you, tough stuff happens. You got to cooperate you could, with government. Yeah, yeah, you could interact with a Lutheran. You could. Something. And yeah. that that might be dangerous. So, yeah, the, the statistics are still enormously high. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, 50% or more of the county is still claiming to be Catholic, which is, which is amazing, you know, for reference, most of the United States is at 25%. Um, so, uh, well, on average, and then yeah, 50% is pretty high. So, and you know, I love what you said about family there. That's actually, uh, that's actually maybe a really nice jumping point, uh, or jumping off point for us, because, you know, as we talk about discernment, the idea of discernment, I mean, it can some somewhat be, you know, maybe be a, a bit mysterious, but you add a whole nother dynamic when you think about doing it with groups, right? With, with multiple, with multiple people. And I think I, I love that, that quote you offered. Was it Pope? Paul the sixth. Pope when Paul he talks the sixth. About the Holy family. So go to the office of readings on December 26th. Pope Paul the sixth talks about the Holy family. That's where he talks about the school of Nazareth yeah. being a school of prayer where through work and family life and silence, Jesus was raised up in his own gifts of discernment, really. And holy families where we're shaped in this capacity to notice the difference between what is of God, the beauty of relationship, and what is not of God, the problems it poses, Mm -hmm. the fallenness we live in, you know? Well, and it's that, it's that beauty of there's a, there's an enrichment of love because Mm -hmm. of the presence of other people. And there's a messiness because of the presence of, of, of other people. So let's talk about that as we maybe just like kind of set the table for us here. Just talk, let's talk a little bit about some principles for discernment. And then let's start to add that other layer of, okay, and what do you do when you start to bring other people into the mix? Right, right. 
So principles of discernment, I'm just going to go off the title statement of the rules. Anybody can look this up. But the principle of discernment is really, let's let's talk about the definition of it. Uh, It comes from the scripture, if you will, for the money changers. They would sift things. Mm. And in sifting the money, uh, you're working with coins. And the sifting process, if you're shaking it, shaking a box of coins, the, the larger ones are going to kind of rise up. The smaller ones are going to fall down. So you want the, you want the big ones to, to come to the surface and, and come through the screen, if you will, whether you're fanning oats. Farmers mm-hmm. would know about that. I fanned oats every good Friday. Terrible job. Very itchy. Uh, you, you have a, a sifter and the bigger kernels come to the surface. So what sifting does is get those big realities in our attention. Mm. The, the the heavy ones, the weighty ones, the ones that are going to grow, the, or the ones we need to pay attention to. You sift it, uh, the and so money changers would sift coins to get the weighty ones, the valuable ones. All right, so that's a, a mm. scriptural way of thinking of discernment. Uh, the, the definition from discern for discernment really comes out of Ignatius's title for his rules, and I, I hope everyone when they hear the word Saint Ignatius. They're not thinking just Jesuits. Ignatius has a gift for the whole church. So just like the Benedictines mm-hmm. have a gift for the whole church, their liturgy, uh, and the Franciscans have a gift for the whole church, their, their gift of poverty, that charism of poverty. A charism is a gift for the whole church. And so the charism of discernment, a gift for the whole church, Ignatius really systematized it at that point. And I think the best way to understand this set of rules that he gives uh, isn't a spirituality as much as it's, um, if you think of spirituality as like um, communication, mm-hmm. because that's what you're doing with God in your spiritual life is you're communicating, you're in communion. Uh, and we have the English language right now. That's that's what we're doing. We're talking in English, so we're communicating. Uh, but we could switch to Spanish. We could go to Italian. Uh, that would be harder. That'd be a different spirituality. That's a different school, right? So uh, so every spirituality is going to have its own language, but whether you're speaking in German or Italian or Spanish or English, you all have one thing in common with all languages, and that's grammar. Hmm. You have verbs, and you have nouns, and you have adjectives, and you have adverbs. And so in the spiritual life, in our communication with God, we're going to have consolations and desolations and things that come up that are of God and things that come up that are not of God. And how do we respond to those verbs and adverbs and adjectives and nouns? And so we got to study our grammar. We got to study the rules of Ignatius and it starts with the title. So the principles are in the title statement, becoming aware or perceiving in some manner the various movements caused in the soul, the good to receive, the bad to reject. So what do you have there? Three parts of discernment. Perceiving in some manner, becoming aware. Mm -hmm. Various movements caused in the soul, understanding the difference, the good and the bad. The good to receive, take action, the bad to reject, take action. So you have aware, understand, take action. The two actions are receive what is of God, resist what is not of God. And so though that, that would be the principles of discernment, the principal activities of discernment. 
And so okay. what does discernment do? It brings about things of value. That's what it does. Things of God. And these are the principal actions, awareness, understanding, taking action. And so okay. that would be the table. So, so how then you get, you can imagine then a person individually doing that. Right. You know, they're like, ah, uh, no, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be a priest, but I really would like a bravery for my birthday present. <laughs> right? No, I'm, there's nothing, I'm not feeling anything. Until, you know, so you can imagine, right? This, this is like sifting of feelings yeah. and this thoughts, yeah, thoughts right. feelings, and, and desires on an individual level. Right. How do these things begin to take shape when we start to talk about groups, uh, mm -hmm. a team? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's a family, a husband and wife. Uh, it could be a youth ministry team working, you know, working together, discerning their, the next year's core group of, of leaders. Mm -hmm. It could be a, a, a whole parish team <laughs> planning mm -hmm. out, uh, you know, the uh, response to uh, a pandemic, Wh whatever, the variety of, mm -hmm. variety of places. How does a group begin to bring these questions their thoughts their desires those those movements how, how does how do those principles begin to show up in a group action or in a group setting yeah well i i think there's a couple prerequisites uh and that is um the group has a a, a clear sense of their mission mm. uh their clear sense of what they want a uh, mission's been articulated or it's been set before them. And that's how they got on board. They got on board this team because they're on board with a mission. So the mission's more important than their agenda or priority. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, that, that rings true. Something. Well, yeah, it rings true to uh, you know, so, some of my experience in that, you know, oftentimes I can say this is right or wrong, but the, you know, the reality is oftentimes uh, people's work life begins to dominate uh, what was once maybe a, a place for family or where friends would have been. And so oftentimes you'll hear, um, especially, you know, in, I think ministry settings, but like, okay, we want this, we want us, we want to be a family here. We're, we're, and, and there, and that's not a bad aspiration, but there's a, there's a little bit of an artificialness there, but yeah, but the reason we are gathered together mm -hmm. is we have a common purpose. We have a common mission, uh, particularly when, you know, when you, you get the, the context where people weren't necessarily uh, choosing or opt, opting it. Well, I should say, we're, yeah, they didn't necessarily choose or opt in. Like they're brought together under a common mission, even maybe in, in a sense of, depending on the setting, it could even be in, in the context of obedience. Um, mm -hmm. Imagining, you know, men and women religious living together. Mm -hmm. So anyway, talk a little bit about, I think there's this perhaps a fear mm -hmm. that, okay, yeah, I mean, I think I can hear God's voice. Mm -hmm. It's Sam across the table that I'm not quite so sure about. Yeah. What, what yeah. do you do when the insights or the convictions, prayerful reflections from one person, another don't yeah. seem to be lining up? Yeah. No, there's going to be tensions. That's to be expected. I, and I wanted to say immediately, if even before you get, you're going to do some sifting with the team itself, and, and it could become clear uh, that one of the most important tasks in, in team and teams coming together is making sure the right people come onto the team. And what do I mean by right mm. people? 
good team members. So uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Lencioni. Uh, Lencioni gets it uh, in terms of teams and a, a, what's, a, what's the ideal team member? Mm-hmm. Smart, humble, hungry one. So they're, they're invested with some real intelligence that it's not that they have a high IQ, but they're invested with their mind in whatever mm-hmm. is being worked on. There's a humility there. So their identity co- doesn't come from the mission. Their identity comes from just being who they are. They're humble and, and they know who they are. That that's really the key. The most dangerous people aren't the evil ones. <laughs> you can see the evil ones because they're on a different mission. You know, they're just doing something mm-hmm. entirely contrary. It's the ones who don't know who they are, like Saint Peter. He doesn't know who he is, and so he stumbles around and does a bunch of clumsy things. But it clarifies Jesus's mission as a consequence. And it is entertaining for us to, to read about <laughs> it's now. Entertaining. Right, but Jesus wants him on the team for different reasons. So yeah. So, uh, it's going to, well, and, and the, the team heals him at, at some, right. It is, right. it is this intimate right. time with the group and with Jesus that matures. Yeah. To, yeah not does. to take so, anything away from the action of the Holy spirit, but. So you think of the team that Jesus gathered, you got some unevenness there. Mm-hmm. And so even if you have unevenness on your team, you're going to have that in your own experience. So that tension is going to be there, but they need to be hungry for that mission. And so, so smart, humble, hungry, those make for good team members. Having the right team members on board really is an important first step. And then for those who aren't really invested, aren't really clear, aren't really, it's, it's becoming interference in some way in their life, it, to be free to go. And so there's a freedom mm-hmm. in being a part of the team. There's not a forcefulness. There's not a pressure. There's not uh, false expectations. And, and that's why the enunciating the mission mm-hmm. is so important. Uh, unspoken expectations become premeditated resentments, you know, and so. Oh, wait, wait, that's, that's good. Say say that again. Yeah. Unspoken expectations become premeditated resentments. So I thought you knew that. Yeah. I thought you were going to do that. That, (laughs) Does that ever happen in your life? Yeah, no, no. I mean, I've never experienced that (laughs) at all. No, I mean, yeah, it's, well, it's awful. It's awful. Uh, both as <laughs> yeah. if you're the person who has the expectations, you're like, oh crap, I never voiced this. Don't you know yeah. you're supposed to bring donuts? And, you know, or, <laughs> or or to be the one. It's like I didn't. Why why is everybody looking at me for snacks? I didn't had no right. idea. Right. Yeah. So so when there's that tension, I I usually you know if the tension's there, I, there there's like three things I kind of go through in my heart and mind. And the first one is a person's going to have a personality that's not going to change. And so to learn to work with a personality is the first, you know, generous step I take with attention. Uh, but this person can also be uh, offering uh, a prompt for well, what does this mean? What does this difference mean? Because when you're discerning together, you're doing kind of three things, not at the same time or not necessarily in the same sequence, but three things are going to be happening in that discernment that's becoming aware and that's gathering information. So Mm -hmm. if there's a tension there, we might not have enough information. So what questions do we need to ask? What more information do we need? The tension might be resolved if more information is given. Yeah, that's really good. Well, and maybe like a concrete example, you know, we're trying to, trying to decide on, okay, what, you know, which retreat program do we want to offer? It's like, yeah. well, I don't, I don't know. How is this, how's it received? What's the, you know, I want to know the schedule. I want to know that. And there's, 
there's a there's a real place for just the human endeavor right. to gather information to build uh, a natural understanding right as right. a foundation for uh, a, a discernment right so if you think of uh you want to get to a decision right so mm-hmm. uh, there's always an action you're moving toward uh so there's information gathering and then there's the sifting and then there's the understanding and then there's the decision there's the choosing the action we do this all the time here in the seminary so uh the seminary consists of like three groups if you will the seminary the diocese and the man himself and the decision is being made about uh, well it's the it's the decision that's made at ordination uh the bishop asked the question do you find him to be worthy and that isn't a question that he asks of the man. He asks it of the seminary or the representative. And after inquiry among the Christian people and upon the recommendation of those responsible, I testify that he has been found worthy. Well, how's that? how do we get to that point of decision? The man has revealed himself. Mm-hmm. He's given all the information he can about who he is. Just like with couples when they're preparing for marriage, they're going to give all the information they can so they can arrive at a decision about marriage, their vocation. Mm. Uh, and if there's like a shakiness or tension there, it's because oftentimes there's not enough information. So that's why a seminarian's number one job is to reveal himself. Right. And a spouse's, a future spouse's number one job is to reveal themselves to the other. Well, and again, not in quite the same way as in a seminary or in a marital relationship. In a teen, when you have reservations, you have heartburn, mm-hmm. concerns. You're like, I'm sorry, I don't want to be that guy, but I don't get it. Why, why are we doing this? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. y- you have to reveal yourself. You have to be willing to say, I don't get it. Why? Yeah. How does this fit? Why yeah. are we doing this? Yeah. Or I'm sorry, can you? You know, and 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 it's that 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 courageous kind of self revelation. That yeah, that deepens and pr- provides a sure foundation for where is the Lord leading us? Right, right. So that uh, when there's a tension, could be the personality to sift through that. Could be a, a a prompt for deeper discussion. What does this mean? Do I need more information? Mm-hmm. Or it could be a real problem. There's something in the way. Uh, res- mm-hmm. Information's not getting through. Understanding's not getting through. Uh, a question that hasn't been asked is, is needs to be asked. And so a lot of discernment relies upon not answers as much as like you're saying here, mm-hmm. a question. So, yeah, I, I want to highlight two things is I think there's this temptation. I, I want to speak to the leaders now, again, whether you're, you know, a DRE or a dad or, you know, a spouse, but those who are maybe responsible for facilitating and leading the discernment, it actually doesn't mean that you've done something wrong when no. the group doesn't agree. It actually might mean that you've done something right at, at two levels. As hard as you may try to clearly articulate a common and uniting mission, a purpose, a goal, here's this is what we're trying to do, it doesn't always sink in. Or even if it has, sometimes the Lord desires to deepen it. Mm-hmm. To, And when there is some practical question uh, that is being decided upon, um, we may not even use the word discernment, but it's anytime we're deciding any question, we're kind of in that discernment realm. And the team doesn't agree, that presents an opportunity oftentimes 
for a deeper assimilation and adoption of that, that mission, that where mm-hmm. are we headed? What are we trying to do? What's, what's the purpose? Um, mm-hmm. I'll give a shout out for Whitney, the producer, because uh, Whitney does this all the time in our team. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we'll be a good, you know, like halfway through the conversation. And it's just like, I'm sorry, what are we trying to do here? And it's the most wonderful, annoying, helpful, fruitful. I, I, it's, a, it's a fantastic question because if we're making great time and we don't know where we're headed, it's actually not a good, not a good road trip. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And sometimes it's a victory. We, we, what I'm saying is for the leaders, when you feel like, you know, when you're like, oh my gosh, like nobody agrees and we can't. Well, actually, that maybe is a gift for us to then come back to a deeper, a deeper understanding of what are we trying to do? Where are we headed anyway? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the why question really keeps you on task, actually. It, it keeps mm-hmm. you sharp in a way that's so uh, essential. And again, Lencioni is so good on this. You can have uh, team members with particular uh, gifts or geniuses. Mm-hmm. And those geniuses, those gifts, it might be an inventiveness. And those are your folks who love the offsite time. Let's go get away as a team and just mm-hmm. let's just plan for the future and think about what we want. And they do a lot mm-hmm. of wonder, inventiveness and wonder. And then you have those folks who are like day by day, they get stuff done. They're mm-hmm. tenacious. They're galvanizing. They just get stuff done. And then you got the folks yeah. week by week who love to like help others get stuff done by enabling them and really, you know, being supportive of them. And that enablement gives them energy and they can look to the long-term, but maybe not have a gift for the inventiveness, but they're really attentive to the person. So. Yeah. And when they work together, it's fantastic. Right. When you have all, there's six working geniuses. I just named five of them. Uh, But the, the discernment is the one that really is essential for seeing all the geniuses work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the discerner is going to see how the parts fit and they're going to like the meeting where you have the the three hour session. Uh, We're going to have a COVID protocol uh, adjustment. What can we adjust and why let's get a pizza. Let's, let's discern this. So you got the inventors there. They're giving some Mm -hmm. ideas and you got the tenacious people. there. like, I have some comments to get this done quickly. And then, so it's, and then the yes. discerner sees it all fit together. You want them taking notes, right? So they can yes. kind of assimilate and then feed back to the group what they're saying. So yeah, if you have your inventor wonder and then you have your tenacious galvanizer and enabler in the middle of that is your discerner who's kind of seeing the, the, pit, the parts flow together. And that is how these different uh, teams or different uh, scenarios for your team can kind of play out. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who are eating this up, some our listeners probably know, but Patrick Lenzioni yeah. um, has his own podcast, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll we'll link to that. Um, yeah. The uh, Working Geniuses uh, Personality Assessment. It's a great tool for teams. Mm-hmm. And it provides a language and a way of understanding and appreciating the gifts, the temperament, the personality right. of, of the individuals on, on a team. So uh, again, Patrick Lencioni, wonderful Catholic gentleman, um, yeah. widely probably regarded as, as the most, I mean, he would be the kind of business leadership right. guru of, of this time, um, just happens to um, come at things from uh a, a uniquely Catholic perspective. He does, he does. Yeah. Which, which he's not shy about, which is, it's nice. He's not. And our team here, we have, so we have a group of eight priests that we had after the pandemic, we had all the students left. And so for uh, two months, 
the eight of us lived together. Uh, and we, we, we lived and thrived together. And just two months ago, we did the working genius. And so yeah. we really knew each other. We tried not to turn our formational powers onto each other. Yeah. <laughs> really be gentle and generous. And we learned a lot about each other. And then we had this working genius session. And I found out that among the eight of us, I am the one with the inventiveness. I never really thought of that about myself, but I, now I see it. I, I, I like ideas. I like coming up with ideas. Meanwhile, there's four or f- there's six of them who all have doctorates. Now to finish a doctorate in any discipline oh takes a tenacity that really is high on the charts. To oh, finish yeah. a doctorate, a four to 500 page document with footnotes and periods and semicolons all in the right spot, day by day, eight hours a day, grinding that out. That takes a tenacity that, wow, um, so when I come up with an idea, they're like, you know how much time that's going to take to get that done? Right. So now we have this like, understanding. Yeah, that's why it's your job. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Don't so, you have tenacity? And then our, our rector, this is the best part. He's a galvanizer. He's like, are you on the team yeah, or are you not? I see He's it. a point yeah. guard. You know, he knows how to get the team moving in a direction. And that's the genius of kind of the eight of us together. And it's been so beautiful how we appreciate one another now. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, there's less annoyance. And we, we realize with the genius, what gives you energy or what drains you. So what drains me is, is like trying to get team together, galvanizing that stuff drains me ideas and discernment get, gets me excited, uh, mm-hmm. for them getting a job done, gets them excited. Dreaming drains them. So it's yes. good to know that yeah. about each other. Oh yeah. And, uh, I can totally create totally see a it. real vision together. Yeah, no, we uh the the pa- the parish support team here at the Archdiocese just just went through the working genius and yeah, the number of us had worked together for many years, uh some other new members of the team and we're like, "Oh, that's why you do that." Uh, yeah. one of the best parts is it talks about based off your particular working style or genius, you tend to hijack meetings right. and turn them into your favorite style. <laughs> right which is which is great when you're the boss you can do that no, i i tend to be in the in the discernment and inventive so yeah i hear yeah, it i i tend to turn yeah turn it all into it. brainstorm okay so let's do one more thing and then i want to get this is i think i'm going to ask a question here i hope will bridge us to some very practical things okay sometimes when a team is not like okay it's not lining up we're we're like okay what should we do here which again even there's the question what do we do here what's the next step that's mm-hmm. a little mini discernment um mm-hmm. we want to talk maybe later about a little bit more very intentional patient discernment uh really mm-hmm. leaning into prayer but anytime we're asking the question okay you know what now what next what do we do here that's that's a little discernment sometimes it doesn't line up because we need to go back to the why. What are we trying to accomplish? Sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't appear to line up because of differences in personality and just working styles. But sometimes it doesn't line up when someone's stuck, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're afraid. And mm-hmm. how do you respond in that circumstance? Again, I would say, I, I want to, I think it is a gift if there is an individual staff member who is throwing the brakes on a discernment when many or a a certain number of the group are pretty confident we're supposed to move in this direction and one or two are like, no, no. 
how do you begin to bring those those concerns to the light? How do you how do you step into that that space of of discernment? Yeah, I guess I'd have to we'd have to go to a concrete example. And I, so I can think of like when we're discerning with these men and there's a consensus about going forward, mm-hmm. but then there's two or three that are like, mm, I don't know. This, this is concerning. I'm afraid that this man isn't prepared. Mm-hmm. And so the conversation then starts to become, well, what are your concerns and how can we address those? And so as the, as the concerns are brought forward, uh, as the evidence of those concerns are laid out, as the demonstrations and concrete terms are laid out, then those who were once confident might kind of start to scale back a little bit. Or those who are more confident say, no, I have counterexamples that say, that isn't who the man is, all right? So mm. there's a, a very animated revelatory discussion about concrete realities. Mm-hmm. That's a key. Adding information. It, in, right, and so, and so the key information is concrete, it's in reality. If the fear or the hesitation or concern is about uh, a hunch or a speculation or a what if, mm. uh, when a, when a hold that up and say, if we always have what ifs, we'll never get anything done. We'll mm-hmm. never decide on someone because every decision, every person is going to have that what if risk. And so that kind of fear based upon speculation, mm-hmm. we want to just call that out. If it's if if most of the fear and hesitation is around speculative possibilities, then let's parse those speculations out and mm. see how many are based in reality and how many are really based in pure speculation. Sure. So, and a concrete, you know, and I can see this translating for again a parish team trying to trying to figure out what a COVID uh, mm-hmm. reality liturgical celebration needs to look like. You're like, well, mm-hmm. what, what, what are the current CDC guidelines? Right. You know, how much right. sanitizer do we have in the closet? And all mm-hmm. sorts of very concrete mm-hmm. questions, which are, which are different in kind from the, well, what if somebody says, yeah, that's, that's, that's very helpful. Right. I'll, I'll, here's another example. There was a, there was a seminary that had a, a wall of DVDs and mm-hmm. The seminarians would have these DVDs as like that was their movie section, right? And the, yeah, yeah. Concern, for our younger hey, listeners, DVDs were div- little discs that had VHSs. They had VHSs. They had encoded information, so it was a movie on this disc. <laughs> yeah, and so Sorry. the just the two parties that came forward were we like having DVDs, we want more of them. Uh, the other party was if we're going to get more of them, we need better ones and we should examine the ones we already have. So there's a real discernment around, are these, is this the right set of DVDs and how do we talk about this? So they, we started to get some real fear, not, not fear, but uh, a resistance to having more of the wrong kind. Mm-hmm. And you had a, well, we can have more of any kind because we're Americans and we have to live in American society and this is what American society watches. And so the discussion became a lot about taste, a lot about uh, artistic preference, 
a lot about being American and a lot about being free. And then so all these standards were going back and forth, but they weren't very solid until someone entered in and said, hey, you know, the bishops review these movies. And we're, a, we're an entity, a seminary of the bishops. Why don't we use their standard? Oh, nice. Concrete. Never thought of that. And so a concrete standard was introduced that everyone could agree upon. So this is where another text you might be interested in is negotiating to yes. Mm. Negotiating to yes. And it describes a process for conversing in those tensions. And we go through this, it's from the Harvard Business School, and we go through this with our men and their third year, we give them scenarios and we call it scared straight for seminarians, uh, which means that you just give them these scary things like hiring and firing and uh, the, the mm -hmm. volunteer who won't stop, you know, uh, doing this job that disrupts the whole community. And, and so yeah. how do you confront and how do you correct and how do you uh, help the liturgy move in a direction the church envisions? Meanwhile, it's the children's liturgy that's been dear to everyone for a long time. So all these scenarios that yeah. involve tension and communal discernment, what's best for the parish. And so some of these tense conversations require this negotiating. Yes, you find the common ground, you start to look for a standard we can agree upon to evaluate our outcomes and our, our, our information. And then you start to arrive at a decision together, take responsibility together, and then follow up together. And so that's just kind of the, this, this negotiating to yes that's introduced to the men. And nice. that standard piece is really important. Arriving at a standard you can agree upon. You know, just maybe one one thing as we as we maybe transition here to offer some real real practical tools. Uh, again, I want to speak to the leaders who, when the group doesn't agree, that this when this kind of oh crap, you know, what did I do wrong or what are we doing wrong moment wells up, or even if it's not a, a, a kind of a self condemning, just a frustration that that things are seem stuck or that this is going to derail things, mm -hmm. it is far, far better in a conversation for someone who has a little bit of angst or confusion mm -hmm. or hesitancy, even if that is simply speculative, mm -hmm. it's far better for that to get surfaced at the start yeah. where it can be helpfully addressed Mm -hmm. Than to somehow imagine that we've reached a consensus or an agreement, and then move on only to have that person, you know, not pedaling mm -hmm. or not rowing. Pick your pick right. your metaphor, right. um, you know, or pulling in the wrong direction. Just, you know, mm -hmm. the, it's like it feels like the brakes are on. It's like, wait mm -hmm. a minute, Phil's Phil's rowing the other way. Yeah. Um, it's far better to discover that at the beginning, and so, so sometimes it's actually it's a beautiful thing when those difficulties arise in the conversation at the start, rather yeah. than, than some feigned consensus that comes back to sabotage later. And this is a great point. Uh, again, Pat Lencioni makes this point. I love it. A lot of people have a lot of misery in the church because mm -hmm. they thought that they were hired to be nice to each other. <laughs> and so in that being yeah. nice to each other, that feigned consensus happens, but then they go to the parking lot and they complain and get frustrated and share the complaint. And it just bleeds out because in the building or in the meeting, we got to be nice to each other. 
Right. And so this well, capacity. Yeah. Or I have to fake that I understand. Right. I understand. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I agree. I'm a loyal soldier. No, I don't. Yeah. And then go out and just really be confused and really be going there. So for the person, every person to be enabled to be a little J jerk, right? Yeah. Not a big J immoral jerk, right. but the little J jerk, like you're kind of describing, like, uh, I, I think there might be a problem here if we don't, I, I think this could be difficult if we haven't answered. And so that, and so I, that's what I do as a formator. I'm like, Hey, seminarian, if you come across the people in this way, this will not go well. Yeah. I never thought of that. Nobody's ever told me. That. Well, that's what I'm doing with you right now. I'm telling you something that people will tell you if they're given the chance to be a little J jerk. Mm -hmm. So I have to endure the possibility of not being liked in that moment mm -hmm. and not being known as nice in that moment, right. not being known as really the guy who gets along with everybody in that moment. That's the risk I got to right. take. And the underlying virtue, if you're going to discern well as a group, it mm -hmm. requires some courage and a level of honesty and vulnerability. Yeah. I mean, you have to show some courage to be the one to say, boy, this seems like a great idea, except for we actually don't have the money to do this. Right. <laughs> right. There you go. This is a fantastic idea, except for it doesn't fit with our priorities at all. <laughs> at all. At all. Okay. So let's, let's talk about some really practical. So questions like budget priorities, new initiatives, building projects, uh, where should we vacation as a family, difficult personnel issues. All of these things are on the table. Let's kind of go through some very practical tools, kind of rapid fire here that you can use for discernment. I'll start off. Yeah. One of my favorite here, uh, something that we've been leaning into uh, lately, both as a resource for parish and churchy teams, uh, but also uh, we're taking our own medicine. Uh, some folks here in the chancery, we've been using it. A discernment rosary. Hmm. Super simple, um, right? Where you know, the rosary is pretty, pretty familiar. What we do is in place of the particular mystery that we're reflecting on is we also present a question to our Lord uh, and his mother. Uh, okay, Lord, what should we make the theme of this workshop about? And then we just, we just, we pray the the rosary with that question and then we have a, an opportunity as a group to share it's like you know i'm just really drawn to making this a workshop on prayer it's like no 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 no. i think this workshop and we and we just we have a conversation and we listen to one another and then and then we come again with another question and pray another decade and it's a very simple beautiful way um, again there's a, there's a format that is familiar that allows us mm -hmm. to bring questions. We usually have a, just a, you know, a minute or two of silence, perhaps after the decade finishes, after we say our Hail Marys. And it's just a familiar format that allows us to bring practical questions together mm -hmm. and offers just a little space to hear. Right. Um, so right. that can be really helpful that we'll attach. We've got like a little guide on, on how to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Adapting it to your particular questions, you know, for a group or team are really easy. But the discernment rosary we found to be particularly helpful. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah, so I, I would start out with a, a prayer, 
uh, encouragement that uh, I love to follow. Um, and it really goes along the lines of the Gospels in terms of, especially John, where faith and living out of faith is about seeing, mm. about vision. And uh, I, I would say this about everything in the church. The church doesn't have teachings. Mm. I like to say that. She, she doesn't have teachings. What the church has is a vision, a way of seeing things, and then she talks about it. Yeah. A way of seeing reality, and then she gives a body of teaching about it. So what she really has is a vision. Mm -hmm. She has eyes to see in faith. That's how you get the Immaculate Conception. She has eyes to see in faith. That's how you get the doctrine of the Eucharist. And so the seeing is really uh, what we're doing in discernment. I want to see the next step. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it starts with a prompt like, I don't like that we're constantly running out of money at the end of the year. Uh, I don't like that we can't pay to the level that we want yeah. for our Not teacher. the end of the year, halfway through the year. <laughs> but there was, that's the part I don't like. If There's it actually I don't like, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's the way to summarize a lot of things. There are things in my life that I don't like. To whom do I turn? Mm. Do I turn inward? Do I turn to things? So that's that's a way of just discussing suffering in general uh, and, and life in general. There are things in my life that are not the way I like them to be or want them to be. To whom do I turn with that? So uh, the prayer I love to use is, is, is to move into, I don't like this. Jesus, I don't like that. And you fill in the blank. I don't like that we're running out of space for our people in our parish. And I, I think we need a building project. You know, mm -hmm. I don't like that we are not reaching this whole segment of our population. And so I start with that problem. Jesus, I don't like this problem. I don't want this problem. And I move in, and it might take some time to really present the problem and articulate it to Jesus. Yeah. But you know, I just want to stop you there. Like, that's so, thank you. You're giving us permission yeah. to be just a little bit cranky with Jesus yeah. about injustices and, yeah. and, and gaps. Mm -hmm. And I think we've, we we've, we often don't let ourselves. So it's just, I mean, I would hear you saying like, just be honest. Are you annoyed by this? That's right. okay. But yeah. let's, but don't be annoyed alone. Bring that to Jesus. Well, these are the people that come to Jesus, the lepers, the blind, the lame, yeah. they, 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 he's savior. So stop yeah. with the self-saving. All right. So start yeah. with he's savior. That's the stance here. He's savior. I don't like that. I'm blind. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I don't like that. I have to try to get down to the water and it's already stirred up and people already got ahead of me. I complain, complain, complain. Do you want to be well? <laughs> That's how he yeah. responds to that with yeah. complaint. So go ahead with that. Articulate the problem, articulate the desires. Mm -hmm. I don't like this. I want something different. And, and that's what leads into the next step. I want you to see this. Mm -hmm. and, and so I, I need you to see this. And that's where the need can be expressed. And this can take days, weeks, months, but the sequence of, I don't like this. I need you to see it. I need you to see it in the full color. And so we start to really kind of see the, again, this is information gathering. What, what exactly is the scope and issue here? And then the final step, I want to see this the way you do. So the discernment becomes, I want to see with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I want to see this the way you do. I see a problem. Oh, you see a place to redeem. 
I see a burden. Oh, you see a place to gift us, you know? So mm. there's the vision of Jesus with my sufferings and tensions and lacks and shortcomings and weaknesses and priorities. And he sees a different priority or it amplifies the priority. Mm-hmm. And so I need, I, I need you to see it. And I want to see it the way you do. So this is a, an our father, thy will be done kind of prayer when mm-hmm. you get to that third step. So it's kind of a, a way to pray into what you're desiring here and see it with Jesus. Which isn't necessarily a quick no. process. It, it might take more than one meeting. Right, right. And yeah. so then with that prayer as the backbone, we can start to do this really very simple. And you've heard this business model before. It's business. It's a business method for making a decision. Okay, here's the, the, the possible solution. Uh, pros and cons, all right? And here's another possible action we could take, pros and cons. And so now you got four columns. Uh, so building an narthex to our church. This appears to be something that really appeals to a lot of people, pros and cons of that. Not building an narthex to the church, but a preschool, pros and cons. And, you can mm-hmm. say, and that you fill in those pros and cons, and that's the business part of it. You can make a decision from that business-wise. But because we're Christian, that's the next step is when I'm living in love and I know I'm loved and we as a group kind of live in that love together from that loving perspective of being loved as a parish by God, being gifted in so many ways, what's, what's becoming heavy or what's becoming light or what's becoming valuable in those mm-hmm. pros and cons. Mm-hmm. So the real valuable pieces will start to get highlighted more and more. Yeah. And you start to see a direction with those pieces that are very valuable. And it's the narthex. The pros are all there that everyone kind of moves towards. So a practical pro-con with a, 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 mm-hmm. a, an action proposed yeah. might be a way into making a decision. Making the decision from love. Right. Yes. But yeah, where, where am I being drawn not mm-hmm. simply compelled because there's more pros on this right. side. Right. I, I want to go right. back to something you said earlier. Sometimes it, it takes us a while to begin to recognize what's on our hearts. You know, that there's a, mm-hmm. there's a vague discontent or there's a clear discontent that as we begin mm-hmm. to expose it to the Lord, he begins to take, you know, purify that and peel back the layers and, and, and show us the possibility that's there. Something that I think accelerates that process is the use of scripture, right? Where the word of God begins to reveal to us ourselves, uh, our own hearts, uh, God's, Mm -hmm. God's heart. Um, There's all sorts of ways a group can, you know, can approach this. I mean, you can take, you know, the gospel of the day, but I think it's often really helpful for groups. If, if you have a particular verse that is particularly meaningful. So like sometimes mm-hmm. couples will have like a, you know, this is, no, this is the, the reading we used at our wedding or, you know, mm-hmm. a, a youth ministry program, which is like, yeah, this is our, this is our signature. This is our signature verse, right? You know, don't let anyone look down mm-hmm. on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and in faith and in purity. First Timothy 412. Mm-hmm. It is helpful as the group is discerning to sometimes return to those signature scriptures for 
days mm-hmm. at a time to let the Lord again renew the particular challenge or a, a vague sense of calling, to let the Lord mature mm-hmm. that in the consistency of a place where he has spoken uh, to the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it could be as simple mm-hmm. as, okay, we're, we're just going to, we're all going to pray on this verse for the next week. And we're just going to journal a couple of sentences. And then we're going to come back as a group and talk about what we heard. Um, that yeah. can be a very powerful way of, of taking those things that seem a little bit vague and letting letting the the word of God sharper than any two-edged sword begin right. to cut away the, I'm mixing my metaphors, but cut away the chaff. Amen. And I, I think that's the central element of a team who's going to discern together is they're immersed in the word together mm-hmm. and all their meetings have some lexio involved. So for my own experience, yes. two examples, one focus missionaries I worked with in Omaha, they had a way of evaluating the end of the year, what's good, what's bad, what's ugly. And it was a really hard process of self-evaluation that often ended in recrimination mm-hmm. and just dwelling on what didn't go well we shifted to uh, letting Jesus do the heavy lifting. Hmm. It's a way of looking at the year. What was really delightful? And this is how you can tell it's from God. It's clear in the beginning. It's simple in its execution. And in the end, there's an ease to it and a fruitfulness. So clarity, Hmm. simplicity, and ease. And so what in our year had clarity, simplicity, and ease? And how did we stay with it? And then what in our year was complicated and burdensome and really tough to execute and annoying in all levels? And just what, how did we make a decision to change there and so or change ourselves against it? So we started to evaluate our year and our decision making in terms of what was of God, what wasn't of God, clarity, simplicity, and ease, complexity, hardship, and burden that was just put upon ourselves spiritually. So that kind of a uh, discernment as a group was, was really a, an important shift for us. And it was founded on, we took monthly times to do Lexio together mm. and certain gospels would really come to the surface. Now here in the seminary, here's another thing. We pray the gospel on Wednesdays and obviously the gospel is proclaimed on Sundays. And then three of us priests will write at the top of our preview for the week. This is the gospel verse that really had my attention. Mm. And the three of us, without exchanging notes, will send it out all the same time, noon on Sunday. And I'd say 80% of the time, we have the same verse on our hearts. Wow. Because we're looking at the same realities together. One's leading the college, one's leading the pre-theology, you guys who've already graduated from college, and I'm on the theology side. And so we're all getting a an experience of the gospel that calls us to pay attention to this question from Jesus, this line of his healing, this moment of his clarification. And it's really speaking to our hearts as formators. And so if your group budget group or church uh, school group or men's group Mm -hmm. is praying with scripture regularly, don't be surprised that certain passages just, come to the surface as you share life together and that's that's the holy spirit it's not groupthink groupthink is just you know kind of forced and pressured you're drawn to this yeah you're drawn father this is this has been great we could i mean we could talk you know for for (laughs) days on end it's like (laughs) you know so we've pretty much covered everything that there is to say about discernment so yeah 
<laughs> uh, hopefully some, some good stuff here. Any closing thoughts or particular takeaways uh, you want to leave leave people with? Yeah, I think the, the, the big thing is have this practice of Lexio in your personal life. Hmm. Then you'll be able to have the practice in your group life. And I say this to the men all the time because we do these peer reviews, we kind of look around, what do you notice in this person, gifts in that person? And the men who are really good at noticing other people know themselves really well. Mm. The men who are really good at picking up gifts and capacities in other people are paying attention to the thoughts, feelings, desires in themselves. They've got great self-awareness. Because they have great self-awareness, they can pay attention to others. People tend to think, well, if I mm-hmm. just look at myself, I will, I will ignore others. No, if you're really aware in yourself, you can actually engage relationships much more fruitfully and much more easily. You can't enter a relationship unless you know who you are. Mm-hmm. So practice that thoughts, feelings, desires coming up as you pray Lexio daily. And then your group will have that gift because you're all praying daily Lexio. That'd be the first major point if you're going to discern as a group. Praying daily with Lexio will allow the group to pray Lexio, which will lead to the second thing I, I want to really, I, I know I said, bring your problems, but follow the positive desires. Mm-hmm. So God leads us through love and love is, so what do you want? I want to see. <laughs> what do you want? Where do you live? There's always a positive desire that Jesus draws us into. So Mm-hmm. I know I don't want to be blind. I know I don't want to be out of money. I know right. I don't want to neglect people, but that's not going to make something constructive. What's going to be constructive right. is the positive desire. So follow yeah. the positive desire. I know I don't want to leave seminary, but why are you here? I know we don't want to have things fail. Well, what do you want? You know, so that's the, the yeah. takeaway. Follow the positive, follow the love. Yeah, but right, blind Bartimaeus. I want to yeah. see, Lord. I want to see. It's yeah. not, I don't want to be blind. You know, it's, I want to see. So yeah. that's great. He could be. He can be our. He can be your patron for uh, for that's discernment. True. I want to see. And the, the the fact that Jesus Jesus will reverence our ability to ask for what we want. He just does this all the time. What do you What do you want me to do for you? Mm-hmm. And he it's an annoying question. When I read it in the gospel, I get annoyed by it. Sometimes it tells you where I'm at in my spiritual life when <laughs> yeah. I'm annoyed by Jesus' questions, but what do you want me to do for you? I'd be like, I'm blind. Can't you see that? Can't you see what needs to happen here? Well, he, he wants us to ask. And if you remember the gospel from the annunciation, why are you weary the Lord? Ask for a sign. Mm-hmm. Oh, I won't ask. Why do you weary the Lord? What really wearies God is our not asking. So mm-hmm. ask. It's not greedy. Yeah. It's not burdensome. We tend to think it's burdensome because we have parents with limitations. We have mm-hmm. people in our lives with limitations. If we're persistent in asking, people will get tired of us. Not God. All right. So yeah. persistent asking. Fantastic. Father, thank you. Thank you for your work. Thanks for thanks for hanging yeah. out with the seminarians. Thanks for <laughs> staying uh, home dad. Yeah, being being a stay at home and dad. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for being with us t- today. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, if if uh, you would like to uh, find out more about Patrick Lencioni or discernment, we're going to put a couple of uh, resources, the discernment rosary, some other things in the uh, in the show notes here. 
Uh, if you want the show notes, you can find them on equip.archomaha.org. There you can subscribe so you won't miss a thing every time we drop a new episode, uh, plus all the other goodies, show notes, and other blog releases. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Have a great day. 